I'm Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. And welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. Welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. During the All-Star break, it's just me and David Todd today. And David, uh, it's been an exciting last couple of weeks for the Pirates. It has, Charlie. The uh, We talked about before they went on that seven-game road trip, and then they were going to finish the first half with seven games at home. We kind of looked at it, and I think you and I both felt like if they went eight and six and improved upon you know, their, their standing, games over 500, maybe in their standing in the, in the Central Division, that'd be a great way to go to the break. Well, way better than that. 10 and four. They came off the road trip four and three, pounded the Astros four straight. Uh, we've talked about beating the bad teams, and, and the Pirates have done that in the first half. And they've been so good at home. Uh, a tough loss Friday night with Eric Bedard. They come back and get the win Saturday, and then a blowout win Sunday. Andrew McCutcheon with two home runs. So everybody goes into the break with great feelings, two All Stars, uh, and Andrew McCutcheon in the home run derby last night. Uh, that's right, and, and uh, there have been some sort of grumbling among Pirates fans about various topics relating to McCutcheon and the Home Run Derby. Did did you watch the, the, the broadcast? Did anything about it concern you? Chris Berman being the lead? Yeah, um, right. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did. I watched it briefly. I really I watched McCutcheon bat, and that was it. I, I understand, you know, this national there, – there is a view of national validation, and I literally just put up another article. Uh, that This time it was cbssports.com talking about McCutcheon, the unbelievable and still underrated Andrew McCutcheon. He's, you know, as I've said now for the past couple of weeks, Pittsburgh is getting a lot of coverage in the national media. And as I've been talking on Joe Bendel's show uh, with you and with others, is you know, Pittsburgh is easy to root for. The Pirates are easy to root for. They've had 19 straight losing seasons. There's no cost for anybody to root for them. They'll be the Cinderella story. And it's going to be inundated with media here uh, if they continue to play like this. And yeah, it's maybe a little unfortunate that Josh Hamilton's interview with Berman coincided with McCutcheon being at bat, but it's not ESPN having something against the Pirates, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's just unfortunate. <laughs> the other, but Charlie, the other thing that came out was I guess Andrew and Joel didn't get into Kansas City till 3 a.m. and Andrew tweeted that, you know, <laughs> Pirates, Pirates guys were going coach and the Giants guys were going private. And there was a little bit of backlash. In fact, enough backlash that Ron Cook uh, wrote an article in the in the Post Gazette today, really taking him to task, maybe a little more than he should. Uh, any repercussions or ramifications from that? No, not any more than there were, you know, serious repercussions from the Pirates supposedly telling Tony Sanchez to turn off his Twitter account. I, I mean, it just seems like one of those things where people get upset and and talk about these things for a week and then they're just completely forgotten. You know, I, I, I didn't read the wrong Cook column. I'm, I'm not overly concerned about it. And, and honestly, you know, with a lot of these things which are, you know, extra to playing the actually playing games, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, it's hard for me to even comment on them because I'm, I think you're, you're probably the same. You're like me in that, you know, you really don't pay attention to those things very much. I, I, I watched McCutcheon hitting in the home run derby yesterday. And, you know, when the Hamilton interview was on, the entire time my initial impulse was to be angry but then I, I realized that I didn't have any right to be angry because I really couldn't even remember having seen the home run derby before and knowing <laughs> you know whether or not that was a common thing for them to have done so yeah, yeah, you know what I'm I mean? with, I'm with you. and you know I think we, you know we've seen we've seen uh, athletes say dumb things I you know I think the problem with what Andrew said is he got the details wrong Matt Cain paid for the private plane for the Giants McCutcheon had a two first class tickets is in male MLB 
uh, provided the transportation costs for that. So that's not the Pirates doing. Now, if they could only get booked in coach, that's a possibility that that happened. But uh, I think it looks bad when you get the facts wrong. But yeah, it's it's such a just, it's such a non it's uh, you know it's a non-event. So it gets written about as you said, it gets talked about for another day, and then the Pirates will be on the field on Friday, and then it'll be done. So Charlie, with that, let's uh, let's do our first half wrap up, and and uh, I've gone through and done some grades, and why don't we do this back and forth, and uh, get get our, our view of what you think uh, of the Pirates' performance in the first half, and obviously there's a lot of good, but some not so good. So why don't we start? Uh, why don't we start with the catchers, and uh, I'll ask you the catchers, and you give me your grades, and I'll give you mine. So Rod Barajas, the Pirates' starting catcher, acquired in the offseason. I think he's making four million bucks, a three and a half million dollar team option next year. I think relative to expectations, he's been fine. I mean, the the running game has plainly been an issue, uh, but I'm not convinced that's really mostly his fault. Um, you know, he's he's hitting his homers. He's he's putting up the terrible on base percentage we pretty much expected. So I, I'd probably give him a C. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I gave him a B minus. I, I think handling the pitching staff, uh, I give them some of the credit for that. So that that's probably what nudged him a, a tad higher. But in terms of what you uh, in terms of what you said for expectations for Pirates fans, I think he's been right where we expected him to be. Michael McHenry, aka Johnny Bench. He's got an A for for sure. I mean, you know, every year it seems like there's there's one backup catcher who gets 200 plate appearances and just goes nuts with them just because, you know, somebody's always going to go nuts with 200 plate appearances. I don't really know what we can read into McHenry's performance as far as his future performance is concerned, but right now I love all the home runs. There's really nothing you can give him except an A, I don't think. Yeah, I gave him an A minus, and the only reason being, I think you can't discount what happened kind of the first six, six or seven weeks of the season. And this, for me, is one of the reasons I might be a tad lower on some of these guys. They have been so hot. I mean, as a group, it's really extraordinary. They've been so hot since June 1st. So you got five great weeks. But the fact that there was so little production from so many of these guys knocks them down just a just a peg. And and with McHenry, uh, I, I think I said on the radio yesterday that I think if you had asked me. If you had asked me maybe when Michael McHenry hit the home run off Carlos Marmol last year into the left field stands, which I think shocked everybody, how many over or under 10 career home runs? I would have taken under for sure. And here he is, just as you said, seven home runs in 119 plate appearances. It's pretty shocking. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, uh, Garrett Jones up next. All right, you're going to take us into the infield. Garrett Jones. I have Garrett Jones with a B plus, and I, I think Garrett Jones has found exactly the Pirates are using him exactly as they should a, in a platoon role. Uh, Thirteen doubles, twelve homers, an OPS plus of one seventeen. He's uh, again, this is relative to expectations. Uh, I think he's probably outperformed a little bit. Uh, he's never going to do great things for you defensively, but I think he's given the Pirates what they want. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd have to give him a B, maybe a B minus. Uh, the Pirates, I, I agree, are using him exactly right. Has 195 at-bats against righties right now. Only 18 at-bats against lefties. And, uh, you know, I think it's worth keeping in mind the on-base percentage is still too low at 290, regardless of what our expectations for him are. But uh, otherwise, really solid job. Next yeah, up uh, is uh, Casey McGee. Casey McGee, we're probably going to differ here. I, I probably was a tad high on Jones. Maybe I'm going to end up being a tad low on McGee here. I'm going to give him a B minus because he had an OPS at the end of May of 520. And again, I can't discount the, the first two months 
for what he did or what he has done the last month. He's really uh, been a central part of the offense. And, you know, he's gotten these numbers now where they look respectable and you say, uh, you know, where are we going to go for the rest of the year? I, I think he's been he's a guy who we talked about it when McLeod went. It was is McGee going to go next? And he's come on so strong. So I, I'll give him a B minus. I give him about a B minus too, but with the caveat that he is currently uh, maybe taking a calculus class that he should not be taking yet. Um, he's he's uh, you know got 142 at bats against righties right now, which ideally, I mean, that just shouldn't happen. He's he's got an 861 OPS so far this year against lefties, 676 against righties, and but he's been pressed into duty. First of all, more than I, he should I like be. the metaphor. I like the metaphor, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, but he's been he's been pressed into duty against righties, uh, partly because Clint Hurdle was just doing that at the beginning of the year, and then because the Pirates were getting so little out of their corner outfield positions. So, you know, I, ideally that that wouldn't happen. I mean, he wouldn't have twice as many at bats against righties as he has against lefties, and and he's done the thing he was brought here to do, which is to hit lefties perfectly well. Yep. Uh, Neil Walker. Uh, Neil Walker, I'm going straight B. This would have been a C uh, three weeks earlier. Might have been even a tad lower than that. But in in uh, I think since June 1st, Walker's 338, 412, 522 for a 934 OPS. He's got a 429 BA BIP batting average on balls in play since that time. So it's not sustainable. But he's played. You know, I describe him, and I, I think it's consistent. He is a league average second baseman. This doesn't mean he's a bad player, but he means that he's better than some guys in the major leagues, and there are other guys who are better than him. The power was disturbing. The lack of power uh, at the start of the season, but that's picked up a little bit of late. And and uh, you know, I think Pirate fans certainly have to love what they've got in the last five weeks. Right. I mean, he's kind of the equivalent of of. You know, the smart kid who slacks the entire semester and then crams really hard for the exam. I mean, you're listening you, with your school analysis <laughs> Full of them. Yeah, well, I, I, I teach for a living. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, you go five for five in the last game before the break, and, uh, you know, your grade's going to come up a little bit. I, you know, he's actually second on the team in hitters in wins above replacement at 2.4. So, I mean, that should be, you know, at this point in the season, that should be, you know, above the, the average. Uh, second baseman so you know he he didn't obviously hit so well at the beginning of the season but he's really turned it on recently and what'd you give him i'd give him a b all right okay clint barmas f uh you know i don't think i don't need to add a lot he's been an offensive zero uh i think he's been okay defensively i don't think he's been as good as people expected or maybe they think i think his range to his left is is limited Uh, i again i'll just say I, i don't I never saw it from day one that he was what more he was going to bring you than Ronnie Cedeno, unless there's a clubhouse presence that I'm not aware of. Uh, so yeah, he, he fails. Yeah, I mean I don't I can't really argue with that. I'm I'm uh, I think I like his defense a, a bit better than you do, but you know overall the offense is just completely absent. There's really not much he can do with the glove to compensate for that. Okay, next one's a tough one. Pedro Alvarez. It is a tough one and. Out of spring training, the numbers you have that he's put up to, to date, if we would have jumped all over these numbers and, and you saw the, the big power surge at the end of April for that seven to 10 day period. And then the beginning of May was terrible. And now everything just looks better. The approach looks better. He doesn't actually look like he's having any more fun. And, you know, you'd like to maybe see a little more joy out there. This is not one of those things that I'm ever going to uh, critique somebody on if I'm not close to it. And, and, uh, it's just been so good. He's he's killing mistake pitches. Uh, he's he's put up the power numbers we hope. 
defensively, he is fine. He's got a cannon of an arm. Uh, as you as you have said many times in the past, he's not going to hit 280. So, you know, the average is, is what it is, and you, you hope the on-base percentage could be a tough touch higher. But the isolated power and the slugging numbers are, are very good. I, I'm giving him a B after a miserable start. Right, and and if I think if, if – we had said that by the All-Star break, if we had said in, in you know mid-May that by the All-Star break this guy would get a B, we both would have been like, what? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's still a lot for him to work on. There's still a lot of headroom with him because even even though he's not going to be a guy who hits for a ton of average, you'd like to see him bring that up to a degree. You'd like to see him continue to bring the strikeouts down. And it's really hard to give somebody a really good grade when they just completely vanish for such incredibly long periods of time but the overall numbers you can't really argue with them right let's uh we'll we'll throw the outfield here and we'll throw the uh, utility guys into the outfield because the pirates basically don't have any outfielders on the roster anymore <laughs> so let's start with josh harrison josh harrison i you know it's funny i haven't really thought much about josh harrison recently because no, he's, nor has clint hurdle right i mean he's he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth uh i think the pirates have basically done a good job using him i think he's a player of you know his his talents are limited, and the Pirates played him when he was hot, and have not relied on him so much as his offense has declined. I'll say that I mean I think he's pretty much done what the Pirates have expected of him, which is not much, and I'd probably give him a B minus. I give him a C minus just because I think it's the same thing. It's an on base percentage of two eighty eight, just not acceptable. Uh, he doesn't bring you power and some of the other things that you'd like to have. So. Um, you know, his versatility is nice, and we can go with the gritty, scrappy type stuff. But Josh Harrison's a guy who I think is a real candidate to not be on the 40-man roster come, you know, December 15th of this year. Uh, he's a utility infielder. He's cheap, so he may he may well stay around. But when you're looking at guys, uh, the Pirates are going to start looking at these guys. And the Chase Darnos, he's having a poor year down in Indianapolis. Jordy Mercer, Josh Harrison – you know, they're not all going to be, I don't think they're all going to stay on the 40-man roster. It'll be interesting to see how those decisions play out. Right. I mean, you know, I, I know they're, they're guys with slightly different skill sets. Uh, you know, Darno's the speed guy. Yep. Mercer is the, you know, the defense guy. But, you know, functionally, they're turning out to be pretty much the same. So, yeah, I agree with you. There's there's really no reason to, for the, uh, you know, in any year, it, it's you know, we're not, we're not going to remember some of these guys. But I, I, I'd say that for now, I mean, Harrison has done enough for the entire year to stick on the roster, and you know I didn't really expect more than that from him. Yep. Uh, so more utility I'm, guys. Do I'm, we want to go with Sutton or? I'm com- I'm coming after you with Drew Sutton. Yeah. Okay. And, and obviously he's going to get some kind of incomplete, but. But you know if he were to continue with this, he would get an A, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the problem is of course he can't continue with this, and that he's not an. He's not an outfielder, you know. He he can't play the position, and that's why I give him an A minus because he just he's playing out of position. That's not his fault, but he, right. that's where he's playing. So, right, yeah, he's yeah. he's he's doing something that in the long run he can't do. He he also doesn't really have the bat to sustain that, and you know I'm I'm not a huge fan of the guy. I mean he's he's you know I root for him. He seems like a nice guy, but you know he's a utility infielder who doesn't play shortstop, so you know has a really limited amount of utility, really. Yeah. So. So, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best, but I'm, I'm not optimistic. Okay, we'll move into the, the true outfielders. And, and, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon is, you know, your A-plus and the MVP candidate, right? 
Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give him a C plus. Um, you know, his <laughs> you performance want, you want on the to him with Gorky's like I did. Well, I mean, his performance on the field has been pretty good, but his clubhouse performance of Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 3 has been lacking. Um, you know, really needs to work on that. So, keep trying. Yeah, keep trying. Okay, Alex Presley. Presley, the, the numbers say his fielding has been good at least, but I, I'm not I'm not totally convinced by what advanced fielding metrics have said about Pirates outfield defenders in the past. So, you know, who knows? I'll agree with you. I don't think it's looked great. No, and that's not the first time where, you know, the Pirates – a Pirates outfielder has gotten a UZR number that I've just been like, what? And, you know, offensively, he's not really getting it done. Not at all. He's been good since he came back up. He's been, certainly he's been better. And I think he's been uh, serviceable. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it wouldn't be hard to improve on what he had before. I I don't have his splits in front of me, but, but I mean, the overall numbers of, uh, you know, 276 OBP is just terrible from a corner outfield position. So he, he would have had an F a few weeks ago, but now I can only give him a D. I gave him a C minus. All right, Jose Tabata. I, I mean, he gets an F, and he, he doesn't. You know, he's he's not the kind of student you're you're going to give the benefit of the doubt to either, because obviously it doesn't even really look like he's trying particularly hard. Yeah, I think that's one of the issues. I gave him a D. It's just he, he. There's no question he has been the big disappointment. I mean, Nate McLeod's not on the team anymore, but expectations are low with Tabata being. 23 years old and having signed a contract and no, you know, nobody should point to the contract. I don't know it, the psychology of each guy individually. And I can't say I, I've actually spent more than five minutes talking to Jose Tabata in my life, but you know, McCutcheon signed a big contract too. So if you're going to look at one and say, you know, it spurred one on and the other one is coasting because of it, I think, I think that's a tough sell. It's just, you know, clearly there's something going on with Jose and the Pirates are trying to figure it out. And hopefully, hopefully a month down in Indianapolis does sort it out. But yeah, so I'll give him a D and that leaves us. Uh, well, I mean, it's funny that we can't really talk about Tabata without really making reference to psychology. Maybe one of us should actually talk to a psychologist about what, what Tabata is going through, because it seems like we can't, we, we, we can't, you know, even discuss him answer. without without making reference to like him laying on a couch. You know. Yeah, uh, it's a good question because because you hesitate. I hesitate to qual- to comment on somebody's effort unless right. it's apparent and apparent repeatedly. And once once Clint Hurdle did, then I, then I have no problem. I mean, if he's going to do it publicly, you know, it's an issue. And you know, I, I I've read the thing that I wrote on on May 30th, when I think I was one of the first to go out and, and call call into question his effort. And it just never seemed to change. And you would think after kind of a month of being privately and somewhat publicly discussed and berated that that wouldn't be an issue. But it just seemed to continue to be an issue. Yeah, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, I, I don't. It just seems so ridiculous to me that a, a ball player could sleep his way through games like that just because, regardless of whether you've you've got the contract and you signed the big money. I mean. I could have $14 million, and if people were booing at me and my coworkers were angry at me all the time, I still wouldn't be having a very good time. So I, I don't really get it, but, you know, I'm not him, so who knows. Uh, Matt Haig, Nate McLeod, Michael Navarro, Jordy Mercer, Eric Fryer, we'll give them all kind of non-passing to incomplete grades. Is there a guy, if you were going to pick one guy out of there, that uh, you're more excited about than you were maybe at the start of the season? I think you might go to – well, no, no. What's that? <laughs> no. 
Gorky's were probably uh, under. I mean, he gets a straight incomplete because he hadn't gotten much time. I guess we could say the same for Mercer. I think Haig a little disappointing. McLeod obviously gone. Navarro didn't get much time. There's not much to say about any of these guys, yeah. but I do think Gorky's. If we're going to continue, we as the Pirates are going to continue to run Garrett Jones and Drew Sutton out there. Gorky's has real value as being a defensive replacement. That's true. That's true. You know, um, sir, I mean, you still like to have another outfielder on the roster because it's it's clear that the Pirates don't think very highly of Hernandez's uh, offensive ability, as they shouldn't. But I, I do think he has value as a fifth outfielder. All right, let's go to the pitchers. I'll give you the starters. J-Mac. J-Mac gets an A. I mean, a big improvement from last year. The breaking ball is just toxic, and it's really fooling people. And and yeah, I mean he's been he's been great. I, I don't expect him to be great going forward, but I do expect him to be very good. I'm with you. A, I don't know that I, I see any reason for there to be a drop off. He seems to. Uh, what I what I've been impressed and curious by is Clint Hurdle leaving him in late in games, uh, times when he might have thrown 98 pitches and go out for the seventh inning. Uh, he's let him finish a game. He's done things. Uh, J Max, you know, J Max not a young guy, and I think that's part of the issue. He's 27 now. Um, and I like it. I like it that Clint's leaving him in there and telling him to get the job done. So I'm with you on an A. As you said, his curveball is electric. I'm surprised more guys aren't looking for it on two strike counts because it seems to be the pitch he goes to. But hey, you know that means it's good enough that he's getting it done. Right. I mean, he got he got a bunch of of strikeouts in his start the other day and on breaking pitches in the dirt. I think the first four strikeouts he got in that. Uh, in that game were were on breaking pitches in the dirt, and, and yet it, it continued working. So, yep. um, okay, Burnett. Hey, right back at you with the A. Uh, he's been everything the Pirates could have hoped for and more. If you believe in the leadership and the, and the you know that he's taken J Mac a little bit under his wing and provided some uh, you know veteran leadership and and uh, professional uh, carries himself professionally in the locker room, that's even more value. So. Uh, a class all the way around. He likes being a Pittsburgh Pirate. That's worth a lot to me as a fan, uh, but it has nothing to do with the grade. The grade's an A because the performance has been excellent. Yeah, it's funny how how you know a player who's viewed as uh, you know a potentially problematic you know has a uh, somebody who has a potentially problematic attitude in some other town can come to a different team and and perform well, and then all of a sudden nobody talks about that stuff anymore. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. But you know, and this is this is a move with a with Burnett where you have to give Neil Huntington a lot of credit. I mean, a, a lot of people were not excited about this move because they just look at this uh, the the superficial numbers that he put up in in New York and and didn't see that the context of playing in Pittsburgh is very very different and it's it's worked out really really well for the Pirates. Yep, I agree. I agree. Eric Bedard. Pirates' last two opening day starters have been Kevin Correa and Eric Bedard. Just to remind people of that. <laughs> Pretty funny, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's strange, and it, and it really worked. This, I can't remember last year, but it really worked this year. But you know, in the in the past six weeks or two months or since he, since he had that, what was the injury that was a, a back back spasm? Back spasm. Yeah. Since then, I mean, he's just been uh, really bad. Um, his, you know, he, he's he's not. Uh, James Santelli wrote a really good article about this a couple of days ago. He's not getting swings and misses anymore. His you know, his fastball is not where it was last year in terms of velocity. So I don't really see much reason for a huge bounce back, honestly. And I'd probably have to give him a C- or a D at this point. I gave him a D. I gave him a D. Jeff Karstens. I mean, incomplete. Um, I mean, as I've said a couple times uh, in the in the past couple of days, I think he's he's the, the Pirates starter who has the best chance of 
of stabilizing this rotation in the second half. So I think he's a very important player going forward. Um, but right now we've seen so little of him that I have to give him an incomplete. Yeah, I'm with you. I, if, he th- if, he, if he throws like he did against Houston and does that in the second half, the Pirates are going to stay in this race the whole time because he was really good. Uh, he, you know, look, he's a guy whose stuff is not dominating, but he, I, you know, I, I hate to say he knows how to pitch, but he knows how to pitch. He changes speeds as well as anybody on the, on the Pirates roster. He throws that slow curveball. He throws the harder curveball on the slider. He locates his fastball, even without a ton of movement. It has a little bit of movement. You know, he looked like he was going to be a temporary placeholder for Brad Lincoln. And then he just kept going out and giving, giving the Pirates quality starts, keeping them in games. And he, he earned his spot in the rotation. He, he earned his spot coming in this year. And like you said, he's a guy, you know, I've said Bedard, you say Carson's, but, you know, Pirates certainly need one of those guys to pitch well uh, the rest of the way and on the road, and we'll see what happens. But, yeah, incomplete's the right grade, but uh, the performance against Houston has to be encouraging. Right, right, definitely. Um, that's that's one of the more uh, interesting things about the Pirates' performance in the past week or so, and there are many interesting things there. You know, for a while there, it looked like the Pirates were basically down to two starters. If they can get that up to three, that really helps. Uh, and that brings us to Kevin Correa. You know, maybe the, the most, if you're, you know, evaluating guys, what guys have done, the reality is what Kevin Correa has done may not uh, look all that pretty from an underlying peripheral standpoint. But the point is, he has done it. And so, look, it hasn't been great, but it hasn't been terrible. And yeah, he's striking out three and a half batters for nine innings, which, you know, you wait for the other shoe to drop, and it, it really hasn't. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But at the end of the day, I give him a C because he's kept the Pirates in a lot of games. Do I like it? No. But, you know, I, I guess you keep putting him out there until he really has maybe two miserable starts back to back. I think it's fine. You know, whatever. I probably shouldn't talk about the guy too much, but I'll give him a C as well. Okay, uh, Charlie Morton, and, I, and obviously there's an injury factor there, but up until he was injured. I mean, he kind of pitched like someone who was injured for a while. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of a different pitcher, walking a lot fewer batters, but getting a lot more hard contact than he got last year. Um, so I'd, I'd probably give him a D. Yeah, that's what I gave him too. All right, the bullpen, and this has clearly been the Pirates' strength the whole season. Uh, but I think there's some interesting guys to talk about and what you think. Uh, Joel Hanrahan. Right. I think, you know, for me, it's it's not even so much that the Pirates' bullpen is a strength. I feel like if, you know, to go back to the school metaphor, it's like it's a multiple-choice test and the, and the relievers have guessed a lot of right answers. Hanrahan, I don't think he's been good, honestly. I, I think his velocity is not where it was. I think his a lot of his outings have really scared me. And I think a lot of his traditional numbers – um, have been very lucky, and he has not been that good. I'd probably give him a D. I can't. I can't. Uh, we're going to disagree pretty strongly here. I gave him a B. You know, he hasn't been the Joel Hanrahan who was just a lights-out electric closer last year, but he has been, I think overall, he's been okay to, to reasonably good. I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see him have better command. I'd like to see, you know, more velocity with the fastball. But he's got 35 strikeouts and 34 innings. Um, he's, you know, he's walked 18 guys, but, you know, guys aren't hitting him hard. It's more issues, I think, with him uh, than with, you know, him and location and command more than anything else. So I give him a B, a B, a B minus. But I, I understand. Oh, and I've said, if you're going to worry about something, if you're looking for things to worry about in the second half, Joel Hanrahan's probably a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't I just can't see a B for, a, a, you know, a closer who's allowed five home runs at this point in the season. But that, that's fine. Okay, Grilly. No, I think, and I think that the home runs is a. I think that's a legitimate point. Okay. Well, uh, Grilly. 
A plus, man. So president of the fan club gives him an A A plus. Yeah, I give him an A plus too. I mean, he's he's actually I think he's he's the guy who's really holding this bullpen together, and so we definitely agree there. Uh, Fifty four strikeouts in thirty three and two thirds innings. He's, he's averaging fourteen point four strikeouts per nine, which is well above the number that Hanrahan had last year. Yeah, it's it's just off the chain. I mean, he you, you'd like to see him walk a, a, a couple fewer batters, but I mean, whatever. It, it's it's fine. I, I love the way he's pitched. Uh, I love watching him pitch, and yeah, he gets an A plus for me. Uh, let's go to Jared Hughes. Hughes is a tough one for me. I like him personally a lot. I like I, I like I guess I like relievers who look crazy, and um, you know he looks like an insane person out there. So he gets he gets high marks for me on that. He has a 2.09 ERA so far. I don't think he can sustain that. I know he's a ground ball guy, but I'd like to see him strike out a couple more batters and, you know, hopefully walk a couple fewer. I'd probably give him a I'd probably give him a C plus, B minus. Oh, I give him an A minus. I think he's really done what the Pirates hope to. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm basing it on results and not on peripherals and stuff like that, and you're right about the strikeouts and stuff, but he's been He's been so effective, and he's coming and done what they needed. So, yeah, I'm probably – maybe I'm a little high, but I think the results have been great. Juan Cruz. Juan Cruz, that's that's a tough one. I mean, it's, it seemed like, you know, the Pirates have put him in at various points this season, and it's it seemed like he's, you know, had trouble when you would maybe not really like him to have trouble. But the, the overall results are not bad. Again, he's sort of like Hanrahan in that he's he's striking out a lot of batters, but also walking a few too many. Uh, I'd probably give him a say a C plus. I give him a B plus. Again, he was really good the first two months. He hasn't been good in June. You know, I, I guess I, I just like the results of these bullpens. But yeah, he's given up. You know, all these guys have been given up a couple home runs, and I was I was concerned here that that he would tire, and his command has always been an issue. Uh, it still wouldn't surprise. You know, look, I think the guys here now are going to get to September. So unless there are injuries, the bullpen is there. It's, it's probably more or less going to be it um, because if they can get to September, then they can kind of call in the cavalry of even just the guys who they they waive, Doug Slayton and Chris Larue. And, and they can bring up Brian Morris and maybe even Duke Welker and the, and the AAA guys. So, you know, these guys have to get through another six weeks uh, as is. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Cruz has been been better than I expected early on, not as good lately. We'll see if he holds up in the second half. How about Tony Watson? You know, Tony Watson's a guy you can point to and say maybe just looking at it uh, absent of context, his performance has left a little bit to be desired in some ways. But – you know, in an organization that has had so much, so much, so much variability with regard to left-handed relief talent this year, it's really nice that he's been able to stick in the bullpen the whole year as as a, a lefty. I, I've been glad he's been there, so I'll give him a B minus. Yeah, I think that I gave him a C plus, uh, but I think uh, no, actually I gave him a B. Excuse me. I, I think your your context comment is dead on. I mean, he's had a couple games where the Pirates have been getting. He gave up some runs and that, that maybe inflate his numbers, but I think context, he's been pretty effective. Brad Lincoln. As a reliever or, or in general? Well, I, I, you're, that's exactly what I did. I gave him a B as an overall season and an A-plus out of the pen. Yep, I would agree with that. And I, I think that, again, you don't want to ask, as with Casey McGee, you don't want to ask players to do things that they're not well prepared to do. And I think this season has shown us that he's not very well prepared to be a starter. I think he... Uh, you know, again, has the potential to be excellent out of the pen. 
So I would definitely give him an A plus out of the. I, I'll tell you, I'll throw in that I think Charlie next year, I think he'll get one more crack to win a spot in the starting rotation. I mean, if you assume Kevin Cray and Eric Bedard aren't going to be back, uh, the Pirates are going to have a bunch of young guys. They're going to have, you know, they'll, they'll have Karsten, J-Mac, and Burnett. Uh, I think they'll probably take a look at Brad Lincoln one more time. And, I, again, I think they changed some things mechanically. So his last time out when he went seven scoreless, they can feel good about that and point to that. And I, I just think there's, you know, there's more value for him if he can get it, get it together as a starter. So it would not surprise me if he gets one more crack at it. Uh, Chris Resop. You know, the Pirates don't seem to have a whole lot of confidence confidence in, in Resop, and I'm not sure I do either. Um, a, couple, a couple good innings uh, on Saturday, right? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, was that Saturday? That was recently. Any, uh, anyway. Was Friday? Yeah, whenever it was. Right? Yeah. But, you know, he's below replacement level on the year. I mean, he's not. You know, if you think back to when the, the Pirates actually acquired him uh, from the Braves organization as a waiver claim, and it looked like he might become, you know, a really dynamic, excellent reliever if you were looking at what he was doing uh, in AAA with the Braves. That really hasn't happened. The strikeout rate is not really there. I, I'd give him a C minus. Yeah, I'd give him a C. I think last year, you know, he was very good. He was a guy Clint trusted to bring in in men on base situations. He'd stranded a ton of guys. Uh, so good for him. But yeah, the concern this year is that the strikeout rate is down. Uh, he's the other guy who's on the fringe, and I talked a lot about whether LaRue was going to make it and Resop and, and then Cruz would be the guys who, who might have to go. So he's been a little better of late, so good for him. I think we, we give Doug Slayton an incomplete and Evan Meek an incomplete fail, uh, essentially. Is that where you'd be? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Hopefully the Pirates won't see too much of either of those guys the rest of this year. I think it's I think Charlie I think it's kind of interesting the Pirates got through the first half here 84 games only using 15 pitchers and Meek threw 10 innings and Slayton threw 13 so they've been relatively relatively healthy with the staff uh, you know Karstens and Morton uh, are the other pitcher essentially that has been out for the year uh, so it's been a consistent group of guys who've stayed healthy and it's funny when we talk about we I just named five guys they could bring up in September and Evan Meek didn't cross my mind. Right, and you know, for him, it it just comes down to velocity. You know, when he when he was throwing really hard as he was a couple of years ago, he was effective. But now he doesn't, and you know, he's probably if he's throwing 93 to 95, that's pretty good velocity for a lot of guys. But for him, it's really not, and he's he's likely to continue to have uh, you know command control problems. So he he really needs to be throwing hard to be effective. I think. All right, so Charlie, let's wrap things up with the Pirates have reset the rotation coming out of the break, and it's going to go James McDonald, Kevin Correa, A.J. Burnett, uh, Jeff Karstens, and then Eric Bedard. I guess the thing that surprised me is that Correa is getting the second start, and there's no question in my mind that he's their fourth or fifth best starter. And I understand the logic of not having McDonald and Burnett go back-to-back because they don't want to go into any series where it's guaranteed that one of them won't pitch. What do you think the logic is to have Correa in there in between those guys? I, you know, I, I don't know. Do you have, do you have any idea? I don't, I don't. I was hoping you were <laughs> going to give me some great insight. No, I, I don't really have anything. I mean, it doesn't concern me too much, but, but it's also, you know, a, a little bit strange. Maybe they don't want Correa and Bedard going back to back. I mean, yeah, it could be. that, you know, they don't, they don't want You're gonna two, have the two, two game losing streaks. Put the hard throwers up and, and have the lefty at the end, I guess. Yeah, and I, I, I guess you know everything else kind of makes sense. Uh, it, you can see why they want to split up uh, McDonald and Burnett, and 
you know, having Bedard at the end there is is good, so that he has he has time to you know hopefully figure out what what his problems are. He has he has an extra few days to, to sort of think about it and deal with it. I might actually have to take a look and do some counting and see if they have Correa on the road more often than at home. As as I think I've said, uh, he got his first win against a National League team in his year and a half for the Pirates at PNC Park this past year. His three prior wins had been interleague wins. So I wonder if in any way, shape, or form that played into it. We'll take a look. I, I doubt it. I mean, he, he's actually been better at home this year than, than on the road. I mean, I know that there was that insane uh, split last year, but uh, but this year it's not like that. Um, yeah, three. he has, he actually has a 3.50 ERA on, uh, at home right now and a 5.10 ERA on the road. So right, I, I doubt that's it. Well, great stuff. Uh, anything before we close? The Pirates, uh, the workout Thursday in Milwaukee. Maybe we can get somebody for the Brewers in here on Friday and preview the series because even the Bro- though the Brewers are eight games out, I, I don't think you can completely write them off, right? I, I would tend to agree with that. They've played better recently, and I thought they were a pretty talented team coming into the season. So, uh, you know, I, I think that in my mind, my default assumption right now is to think of this as a three-team race, but I'm not sure I should be thinking of it that way yet. Well, thanks for listening. Enjoy the uh, the All-Star break. We'll be back at it uh, toward the end of the week. You can follow Charlie on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. You can follow me at DT on Pirates. And as I've said a few times, I'll be on 970 ESPN the rest of this week and next week, 4 to 7, for filling in for Joe Bendel. Thanks for listening to the Bucks Dugout Podcast.